right, y'all. Welcome. Welcome back. If you are one of my bagel babes, my name is Kelsey, the blogger behind Blondes and Bagels, and you have somehow landed on the Bagel Babes podcast. No BS tips for better living. I want to talk about today, sort of like a little how to read a nutrition label 101 type scenario. I'm always going to give the disclaimer that I gave literally in the first episode of this podcast, which is I am not a medical professional. I am barely a regular professional. So before you do anything in terms of like diet or lifestyle, please always consult your doctor. Uh, But that being said, I'm just really passionate about nutrition as a topic. I'm a newbie. I'm a beginner. It's something I have struggled with personally my entire life. I don't know. I, I don't think I've really always eaten the healthiest. And I think that a big piece of that is really because no one ever taught me anything about nutrition and definitely no one taught me how to read a label. It's really crazy. Even in the U.S., I mean, I found some article. Let me click through to it. So I was reading health.usnews.com. I can leave this link in the show notes, but on average, U.S. medical schools offer only 19.6 hours of nutrition education across four years of medical school, according to a 2010 report in academic medicine. So it's pretty crazy, you guys. Like, I don't really have a ton of exposure to nutrition, and I think most of us don't. And so when we pick up a package and, you know, flip it over and read the back and look at the label, do we actually know what it means and what are we looking for? And how do we each individually determine if that item is right for us based on whatever's on that nutrition label? You know, again, first and foremost, not only am I not a doctor, but also you are a bio individual. If you caught last week's episode, I I really, I highly recommend you go back if you didn't listen to it because bio individuality is something that any person who talks about nutrition or is in the nutrition space really needs to acknowledge. And essentially it's that you and your microbiome, you are an individual and we're not all the same. So one man's food can literally be another man's poison. I think that's important to remember. So as I'm kind of going through this little, you know, 101 scenario, please know I'll try to quote very like high level scientific references that, you know, are kind of general and are okay to be general, you know, like added sugars aren't great for you. I think that's generally accepted no matter what your bioindividuality is, no, no matter what your gut says. But in all the other factors when determining if a food is right for you or nutritious for you, please make sure to take into account your own bioindividuality. All right. Numero uno, you guys, did you know that there's old labels versus new labels? And you may have noticed that the labels that you pick up now, or at least some of them, they might look slightly different than they did when you were a youngin, a child. And the reason is, is actually because in 2016, the FDA updated its labeling rules for packaged foods to reflect new scientific information. Don't get it twisted. The new scientific information that they're referring to, that's that people are dying because of chronic metabolic diseases that are caused by malnutrition. And malnutrition can include both overeating and under undereating. So poor nutrition in general, that's literally, you know, the cause of uh, many chronic metabolic diseases that plague America. That's why this new label was created. There are new standards, new rules. I do have a blog post up on the blog by the time this goes live that you guys really, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes because I actually include in here uh, a little graphic from the FDA website kind of showing what the new label looks like. So make sure to go to that blog post for any relevant visuals. But just so you guys know, I can kind of describe it to you. 
the calories were made larger. So like the type and the font um, for the actual calories and the number are now larger and bigger and bolder. So you should be able to more easily tell how many calories are in the item. On top of that, the serving size um, was also put in larger, bolder font. And also the serving sizes themselves, they were they were updated, um, which we'll talk about in just a moment. So those are like the big changes that I would say we can break into that a little bit more. The other big change that you will find on the new label and not on the old label is actually a distinction between total sugars and added sugars, which is wildly helpful. So anyway, let's get into these things individually. I want to talk about the calories and serving sizes and and why that change was made. I want to talk a little bit about how to kind of gut check the nutrition on a label. So, you know, you're looking at facts sodium, carbs, protein, fiber, sugars, all this stuff. Like how do I personally look at it and kind of gut check if that item is nutrient dense? Uh, The other thing I want to talk about would be, you know, the percent DV and what that means. You know, when you look on a nutrition label on that far right, it says percent daily value. You got all those percentages. What do those mean? What do we care about? What's significant? And then I really want to hone in on some marketing claims because if y'all caught my clean beauty is bullshit podcast episode. I mean, I am not a fan, which is ironic. I'm not a fan of like heavy marketing that is sort of like, it's not false, but you know, it's a little dishonest, a little misleading. It's super ironic because I've worked in marketing for years at this point um, at pretty big corporations. So yeah, we're going to talk about it. Okay, let's kick it back up to the top. Calories and serving sizes. So like I said, on the new nutrition label up at the top, you'll see calories, big, bold font, and you'll see serving sizes. You guys, they updated the serving sizes. So on your old labels, like pre-2016, that serving size in theory was like the recommended serving amount. Let's get real with each other. Safe space, honesty, it's important. Nobody fucking ate the serving size. We probably still barely are eating the serving sizes, but these new labels um, after this 2016 change, the serving sizes were actually increased and they were increased not to necessarily encourage people to eat more, but actually to try to make the serving size more accurate to what people were already eating. So it seems kind of counterintuitive, right? Like why would I make the serving size bigger? Uh, Doesn't that encourage people to then eat that full serving size? Unfortunately, reality tells us we're already eating well beyond that amount. So I think the goal there was really just to hopefully make the nutrition labels more accurate and reflective of what we're actually consuming. In terms of like how to gut check the nutrient density of an item, I mean, it's just a little confusing. You know, you walk down a grocery aisle or you're shopping on Whole Foods online like I am and you see an item, you think you like it. You grab it, you flip it over, you scan the fine print. And so then the question is like, okay, how do I even know if this is good for me? And we're all bio-individuals. One man's food is another man's poison. But I think we can all kind of gut check nutrient density sort of the same way. So to like start with fats, 
there's a lot of conflicting science on the links between fats and chronic metabolic diseases. I just want to say that right off the bat. But I think what we do know, and most of it, most people seem to agree on, is that there are some fats that are heart healthier than others. When you can, I think it's recommended to opt for items that are low in saturated fats and cholesterol, basically, as those are the fats that do tend to be most often linked with things like heart disease. It's, it's really the unsaturated fats that are your good fats. When people say it's a good fat, they're talking about your olive oils, your avocados, your salmon, that kind of stuff. That's your good fat. The thing to really think about with fats as a category in general is even when they're good fats, it is still all about moderation. It's one of those things. I don't really follow Noom to the T anymore, but what I will say that Noom as a program taught me and I took away from it was really sort of this idea of like, okay, you eat the most of these foods and you can enjoy all foods, but you enjoy them in, you know, more reasonable quantities. And it would be like, fats is one of those things that you might want to just limit based on even if it being a healthy fat, just based on it being linked to some chronic metabolic diseases. The other thing to look for from a nutrient density perspective, fiber, love fiber, fiber's your friend. The daily recommendation for fiber is actually somewhere between 25 to 30 grams per day, but, and I'll link this source in the show notes too, most Americans eat barely half that. We're talking like 15 grams maybe, if that. Fiber is like stupid important for gut health. It's just really great for creating a sense of fullness. It's great for digestion. Keep it regular, people. You know what I'm talking about. Any label showing 10 grams of fiber or more per serving um, would be considered a quote-unquote good source of fiber. We will talk about things being called quote-unquote good sources of things. The other thing I would look at, you guys, identify added sugars. That's the other thing I would look at because some of your favorite and healthy fruits might be high in sugar, but those sugars are natural, not added. So it's really the added sugars that you want to pay attention to because It's just processed very differently by the body. Natural sugars are often found in items that are also high in fiber, like berries. So they're actually more nutrient dense as a whole. They've got vitamins and minerals, all that good stuff, right? Those things with natural sugars are, you know, way more nutrient dense than items with added sugars that are lacking all of that good stuff. Added sugars are often snuck into like daily items that you wouldn't even think about, like motherfucker, pasta sauce. What the F? It's really upsetting. Like you'll turn over a pasta sauce jar and it's just riddled with added sugar. And I know that my grandma was adding sugar to her pasta sauce, but like that much, it's just aggressive. So my little tip is just to check the label, opt for items with little to no added sugar wherever you can. Just my two cents based on the science. Percent daily value. We talk about that and what that means. Um, DVs are the recommended amount to consume each day. So it's your daily value. Now, the percent daily value is how much a nutrient in a single serving of a packaged food contributes to your daily diet. That's literally verbatim off the FDA website. But really what you should care about is essentially like when you read that far right-hand column, how much is this item or a serving of this item contributing to my daily recommended amount of that specific nutrient? So you're kind of able to like quickly scan a label, gut check if this item contains a significant amount of nutrients you want or don't want, like added sugars. I think like the rule of thumb is a little bit like anything 7 to 10% or more that can be considered somewhat substantial. But the important thing to know is that there are 
very specific amounts of nutrients that can be present to use in marketing claims on packaged goods. When they say things like a quote unquote good source of or quote unquote high in. So like a good source of calcium or high in calcium. And this is really what I want to talk about in this episode so badly, because I think the marketing claims are running rampant, not just on packaged goods, but also in, shall we say, words online from online creators, from online content creators, Instagram, wellness influencers, bloggers, etc. I just want to start with some facts here about marketing claims or calling things high in, rich in, excellent source of, good source of X. So straight up the facts, the terms high, rich in, or excellent source of may be used on a label and in labeling of foods when the food contains 20% or more of the daily recommended value per reference amount customarily consumed. So 20% or more. So basically what that means is you can say something is high in calcium, rich in fiber, or excellent source of calcium, whatever, right? Those terms, if they have 20% or more of the daily recommended value of that nutrient. Now, the term good source of contains or provides, that's slightly less of a standard. That's 10 to 19%. I also just want to straight up say there's no formal definition of or really any regulation of the use of the word natural. So when you're going to pick up food, like, I don't know, do we want to get controversial juice? (laughs) When you go and pick up juice and the front of the bottle says things like it's natural, it's high in vitamin C. Yeah, those things are true. But what else is it high in, right? It might be high in added sugar, depending on the juice. But you picked it up because you thought it was like healthy, basically, right? I might pick that over the can of soda in the very same vending machine because I think I'm making the healthier choice. And I just think it's arguable if that's true or not, you know? And that's what pisses me off. That's what upsets me is that you actually could have people that are genuinely trying to make choices that are better for themselves. And based on this marketing, they are picking something, thinking they're making the better choice. And really the choice is just kind of negligible. Like there's really not that much difference between a orange juice in a bottle and a can of Diet Coke. I think cereal is another category that's a little dicey in this way, right? There's a lot of cereals that can say a good source of, you know, whole grains, natural whole grains, things like that. It sounds great. But then if you turn over the back of the box and you see it's packed with added sugars, maybe not so much, right? So I just think that that's a huge issue. It really makes me sad. I think for the consumer purchasing things comes with homework. You kind of can't trust what's on the bottle. The second layer to this is like, Okay, so these statements are regulated, even though they're deceptive, I feel like they are at least regulated to somewhat, you know, somewhat of a degree on packaged products. But these words are not regulated in the social media and online and content sphere. So for example, I myself as a Instagram influencer, I have like 25,000 followers if that it's really not that many at Blondes and Bagels. But like if I as an Instagram influencer choose to show you my recipe with my cauliflower pizza crust and I tell you it's a good source of fiber, I'm not held to the same standards that a, you know, the packaging on that box is. I'm now telling you it's a good source of fiber. Well, is it? I don't know. I mean, if I click over to the Trader Joe's cauliflower pizza crust nutrition on their website, Okay, well, first and foremost, there's one gram of fiber per serving, 4% of your daily value. That is not a good source of fiber per the FDA's minimum regulated amount. 
on packages to make that claim. But I as an influencer on Instagram, I can make that claim. And that to me is what's like wild and can be super misleading. You get my point. My point is, is that like you need to unfortunately be your own source of truth because there are one marketing materials and words on packages that are leading you to think that you're maybe making a better choice and the nutrition label might tell you something different. And two, you're being exposed to people all over blogs and Instagram, social media that may be making claims that like, I'm not sure the nutrition labels would back up. So I guess I just wanted to make this little podcast to say it as like a PSA. Packages might mislead you and influencers and bloggers might mislead you. You unfortunately have to arm yourself with as much knowledge as possible to make the nutrition choices that are right for you. I really think my blog post on this will be super helpful for you guys with visuals. I know I just rambled a lot about a lot of stuff. Hit me up on Instagram at Blondes and Bagels. Let's chat some more about it because I got a lot to say and I'll catch you next time. Thank you.